Today in review, Prince Speaking to the Blind, celebrating 40 years of audio newspaper production. Welcome to this week's edition of the Kirkintill Herald podcast, recorded at the Bishop Riggs Media Centre by our amazing volunteers. You can get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram using at Review. That is at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. You can also contact us directly by emailing information at cunereview.com. That is I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at symbol C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M. Or by calling 0141 772 That's 0141 this week's podcast, the Wednesday the 21st of February, is read to you by volunteers Alan, Corey, Hunter, Ian, Philip and Rebecca. Eco-Warriors of the Future Pupils from Torrance Primary School are celebrating after winning a national award in a competition to tackle marine litter across Scotland. Environmental charity Keep Scotland Beautiful STEM the Flow competition encouraged pupils to investigate and design solutions to stop marine litter at source as part of the National Upstream Battle campaign. The challenge invited pupils to investigate hashtag source to sea litter in their area, identify issues, raise awareness and design an engineering based solution to the problem. Building on the success of previous regional competitions, the online national pilot project was open to schools across Scotland. Participants worked as a team to create a project path, conduct research, conceptualise a solution and produce a scientific poster or build a model to showcase their idea. Torrance Primary School came up with the idea of making a unique aquatic drone created from the bioplastic in the form of an octopus. It would be powered by jets of water and use a combination of a scanner, vacuum and magnets to attract and remove various types of litter from the water. One voter praised the project for its imagination and consideration of our environment, saying, The aquatic drone, which is inspired by the natural behaviour of the octopus, is just so imaginative. Even better is that it's super innovative, but also realistic. I'd like to thought carefully about safeguarding wildlife so there would be no unforeseen detriment. Joe Oxley Glinster of Keep Scotland Beautiful said, It was fantastic to see a range of innovative, sustainable and collaborative entries to the first national STEM the Flow competition. It was evident that all participants were passionate and motivated to address the source to sea litter in their local area by completing thorough investigations to identify how the issue was impacting the community and raising awareness of these as part of their STEM the Flow projects. I'd like to congratulate all our winners and everyone who entered. We had a wonderful response to our first national competition, with some excellent, inspiring and thought-provoking projects. Entries were submitted initially to an online showcase, and then were open to up to a public vote, garnering almost a thousand votes overall. Five category awards, made from reclaimed marine plastic and recycled wood, were one, recognising the breadth of work that went into the projects. Imogen Houston, from Jacobs, delivered the programme's second interactive workshop. She said, I really enjoyed supporting STEM the Flow this year 
as it is inspiring to see the younger generation's creativity and passion to complete the challenge whilst understanding the importance of the problem. Having Jacob's staff delivering workshops is a great way to promote a STEM career and share my journey with the pupils who may end up taking a similar path. And that was read by me, Ian. Vapes ban welcomed. A local MSP who warned of the risk disposable vapes pose to young people has welcomed the news that the Scottish Government is making moves towards protecting children. Rona Mackay, SNP MSP for Strathkelvin and Bearsden, was praised last night by leading health charities Ash Scotland and Asthma Plus Lung UK Scotland for highlighting concerns over the upsurge in young people vaping during a debate in, at Holyrood in January 2023. Now, Powers devolved to the Scottish Parliament will be used to implement a ban on single-use vapes. Ministers have agreed to take forward the recommendations following a consultation on creating a smoke-free generation and tackling youth vaping, which ran across Scotland, England, Wales and Northern Ireland last year. In Scotland, 82.3% supported restrictions on single-use vapes, 79.3% UK-wide and 73.4% favoured an outright ban, 68.1% UK-wide. As well as implementing a ban on single-use vapes, other measures agreed include restrictions on vape flavours and promotion, as well as changing age limits for buying tobacco. Smoking is responsible for more than 8,000 deaths a year in Scotland, and vapes are seen by many health professionals as a useful tool for helping adults quit. But there has been mounting concern about the rapid rise of vaping among children, many of whom might never consider smoking. Local MSP Ms Mackay, who last year joined the two health charities in calling on the Scottish Government to act swiftly to reduce the visibility of e-cigarettes in supermarkets and shops, likened the youth vaping problem to the aggressive marketing of Alcopops in the 1990s. She said, There has been an alarming rise in the number of children taking up the habit. Some as young as seven have been found with vapes at school. Fruit-flavoured vapes in bright, so-called cool packaging designed to get youngsters hooked. Does that remind you of anything? Alcohol pops, perhaps. She added, doctors have warned of the long-term damage to developing lungs. I was shocked to discover products including watches and pens designed to help youths to vape undetected by parents or teachers. Read by Alan Todd. Driver is charged as recorded by Hunter MacDonald. Police have charged a 63-year-old man following the death of a cyclist in Kirkintilloch last summer. The incident happened on the morning of June the 9th when a van collided with the 50-year-old bike rider on Initiative Road. The cyclist died following the crash and the van driver was arrested at the time but released pending further inquiries. Now Police Scotland have confirmed that they have filed a report for charges with the Procurator Fiscal. That will see the van driver appear in court at a later date. The tragic incident occurred at around 10.35am on Friday, June the 9th last year, on the approach to Lindsay Beg roundabout on the busy road. The road was closed for nearly eight hours while crash investigations were carried out, eventually reopening at around 6.05pm. Local company leading the way. 
A local firm is leading the way for growth, innovation and community benefit in the west of Scotland. Chamber of Commerce Dumbartonshire member JC Electrical and Security Solutions Limited has seen a tripling in turnover and added three new staff in just four years, with plans for further expansion with the launch of a groundbreaking new product. Headed up by John Cooper, their growth has been driven by increasing the core business and expanding the client base to secure significant new tenders and business. The positive performance of the business has allowed John to focus on the development of an innovative new product to be launched later this year. While full details are still being kept under wraps, the product has been three and a half years in development in partnership with Edinburgh and Glasgow University, Census. It has exciting security and monitoring capabilities that can be applied across a range of sectors and environments, including health and assisted care. It is anticipated that the rollout of the new venture will create an additional 15 new jobs at the Clydebank HQ. John told us, I'm extremely proud of the new product and looking forward to launching it. It's great to see all our hard work paying off on so many fronts. We are also really committed to giving back to our local area and communities. The Chamber's partner and programme provided an ideal way for us to do this. We have really appreciated all the help and support being a member of the Chamber has given us and are keen to support their ongoing activities. NHS staff give charity perfect gift. NHS staff members have helped, charity, helped a charity raise £18,000 for young people affected by cancer and their families. Young Lives vs Cancer operates across the UK and provides support and guidance to children and young people with cancer and their relatives to help them cope. As part of its fundraising activities, the charity holds a Christmas concert in Glasgow every year with a choir including past and present staff members from NHS GGC performing on stage. This year's event, conducted by Alistair Diggs, was, helped at the Glasgow, was held at the Glasgow Royal Concert Hall and was supported by TV presenter Sally Magnuson, The Voice UK star Jeremy Liveth and pupils from Kelvindale Primary School. The Glasgow Hospital's Christmas Choir were also joined on stage by the Glasgow Chamber Orchestra. In the months leading up to the performance, the Concert Choir and committee held fundraisers at their weekly rehearsals as well as bake sales and craft and bric-a-brac stalls. The group also attracted carol sponsorship from friends, family and local businesses and put on a separate performance at Glasgow Central Station in November to raise funds and promote the Christmas concert. They also raised money through ticket sales, online donations and bucket collections amounting £18,000 in total. NHS GGC Vice Chairman Ian Ritchie said, I was delighted to attend the reception to celebrate the amazing contribution of current and former staff members to raise funds for such a worthwhile cause. I was so impressed by the enthusiasm of the choir members who spent six weeks attending practices in the run-up to the Christmas concert to ensure they were fully prepared. In addition to their impressive singing, the group raised an incredible £18,000 and everyone at NHS GGC is extremely proud. The money would enable Young Lives vs Cancer to pay for 692 hours of its social workers' time, or to pay for 473 overnight stays at one of the charity's homes from home, all of which are close to treatment centres. 
It could also be used for 180 Young Lives vs Cancer grants, which helps ensure no one has to choose between paying household bills and travelling to hospital. Celebrating the John Muir Way Special events are being held in advance of the 10th anniversary of the opening of the John Muir Way, a 134-mile route which winds its way through eastern Bartonshire. Two boat trips on the Forth and Clyde Canal will explore the enduring legacy of the world-renowned conservationist and the popular trail created in his memory. They have been funded by Paths for All, Smarter Choices, Smarter Places, to inspire people to find out more about Muir and to encourage active travel locally. Both boat trips are free, booking required. John Muir Walk Talk, Thursday, February 22nd, 10am to noon. Take a cruise along the canal while learning about the John Muir Way, which offers a magical mix of landscapes, history, heritage and wildlife. Gabby Macbeth from Skylark Guiding will offer insight and advice as well as highlighting routes you can walk within Eastern Bartonshire and incorporate into your everyday life. Breakfast pastries and refreshments will be provided. John Muir, Father of Conservation, Thursday, February 29th, 12.30 to 2.30pm. Enjoy a gentle afternoon on the canal while learning about John Muir, a pioneer of the modern conservation movement who went on a lifelong journey filled with exploration, revelation, hardship and wonder. The speaker will be Tracy Robertson, Stuart of Lorison Castle, who spent ten years managing Muir's birthplace in Dunbar. Cakes and refreshments will be provided. The trips will take approximately two hours, leaving from and returning to the pontoon opposite Nona's Kitchen in Kirkintilloch. To book your place, please email laura.dolan at easternbartonshire.gov.uk. Councillor Paul Ferretti, Convener of Eastern Bartonshire's Council's Place Neighbourhood and Corporate Assets Committee, said... I'm pleased we have been able to organise events to celebrate the life of John Muir and the 10th anniversary of the trail established in his memory. It is one of a number of paths and routes used regularly by walkers and cyclists for leisure and commuting. It's important for our physical and mental health to get outdoors and get active as often as possible. We're very lucky to have such wonderful natural and built Amenities so close by, offering people the chance to walk, wheel and cycle for everyday journeys. The John Muir Way, which turns April 10th on 21, stretches across Scotland's heartland, running between Helensburgh in the west and his birthplace Dunbar on the east coast. Eastern Bartonshire is host to the section between Kilsyth and Strathplain, which includes Strathkelvin Railway Path. If there's ice on the canal on either day of the trips, the boat will not be able to sail, but alternative arrangements will be communicated. For more information, visit www.johnmuirway.org and www.easternbartonshire.gov.uk forward slash visit dash ed.
Read by Rebecca. OpenReach start work on new fibre connections. OpenReach is starting work to build a new ultra-fast broadband network for Kirkintilloch, giving residents and businesses access to some of the fastest, most reliable broadband anywhere in Europe. The once-in-a-generation full-fibre broadband upgrade will let thousands of local people connect multiple devices at gigabit-capable speeds and help businesses trade online and compete for decades to come. Engineers have started to work, have started work in the town, and the build is expected to reach the majority of local homes and businesses throughout 2024. Full fibre broadband provides more reliable, resilient and future-proof connectivity, with fewer faults, more predictable, consistent speeds and enough capacity to easily meet growing data demands. Residents can enjoy a host of online services and entertainment, with seamless streaming and smooth online gaming. The technology also supports day-to-day business-critical tasks like video calls, banking and online customer interactions. Local people can visit the OpenReach website to register for updates and as the build progresses, check their addresses to see when services are available from their chosen provider. Robert Thorburn, OpenReach Partnership Director for Scotland said, We're bringing ultra-fast broadband to Kirkintilloch and we want to let people know what to expect. This is a major infrastructure upgrade, so there will be more engineering teams, equipment and vans around town, and we're working hard to keep disruption to a minimum. Wherever possible, we'll use our existing network of ducts and poles to avoid roadworks, new street furniture and disturbance. But there may be places where we need to install new poles, underground ducts and fibre cables because it's the only way to make sure households get included in the upgrade. He added... Kirkintilloch is part of our balanced build across Scotland. We want to make sure that progress is evenly spread and that people in all parts of Scotland can be online effortlessly and build opportunities in their community. Connecting everyone in Scotland to our fastest, most reliable broadband would result in a multi-billion pound economic boost. OpenReach's new ultra-fast full-fibre network in Scotland now reaches more than 1.1 million properties and the company plans to roll out the new technology to 25 million homes and businesses by the end of 2026. OpenReach build partner Circlet is helping to deliver the investment in Kirkintilloch. Alan O'Pray, Circlet UK CEO, said, We are delighted to collaborate with OpenReach in enhancing broadband services for the residents and businesses of Kirkintilloch. The enthusiastic response from the community underscores the pressing need for faster and more reliable internet connectivity. Our dedicated teams are diligently working to minimise disruptions and ensure a smooth delivery of the new ultra-fast broadband network. We extend our sincere gratitude to the community for their patience and unwavering support. You can find out more about Full Fibre online. The day my colleague saved me. The saying in the right place at the right time took a whole new meaning for an NHS worker recently after she suffered a stroke at work. Caroline Swan is a support worker at the Stroke Rehabilitation Ward at the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. So when she herself displayed signs of a stroke in late January, her colleague Sharon Woods knew exactly what to do. 
Tad nudged Shar and spotted something wasn't right, and her quick thinking proved to be a lifesaver. She told us, Caroline was sitting in a chair and just staring. When I asked her if she was okay, she couldn't speak. There and then, I knew. Calling ahead to make sure the emergency stroke team was ready, Sharon got Caroline onto a trolley and ran to A&D. Her quick thinking meant Caroline received the interventions she needed within 45 minutes, and because of that, her speech started to return within two hours. Just days later, she was feeling well again and able to return home with her husband, Alan. And she already planning her return to work to help others on their rehabilitation journey. Sharon saved my life, it's as simple as that, Caroline told us. I was coming out of a room and couldn't get my glove off. I just kept staring at it and thinking, something's wrong. I can vaguely remember being put on a trolley, going through corridors and then going for a scan. I remember then thinking something was really wrong. But it honestly feels like my stars were aligned that day. I wasn't even meant to be working. Then Sharon found me really quickly and got me the help I needed. Because of her and the rest of the team who took care of me, I recovered really well. I've lost my sense of taste and I need to wear a monitor, but I'm feeling well and hoping to be back at work soon. I'll never be able to thank them enough for what they did for me. Sharon was in the right place at the right time, but the care received by Caroline is something all patients can expect at the hospital. Lead nurse Rebecca Fulton expressed her pride in the team. She continued, Despite the fact the patient in this case was one of her staff, everything just kicked in and people knew exactly what to do. In fact, being a close-knit team was probably the critical factor here and why Caroline has made such a positive recovery. I'm delighted everything worked out so well and that Caroline will be back with us soon. Rebecca stressed that time really is of the essence when someone is suspected of having a stroke and she encouraged people to familiarise themselves with the signs of a stroke so they have a better idea of when to act. To remember the signs of a stroke, all you need to do is say FAST, an acronym FACE, ARMS, SPEECH, TIME, to quickly identify if someone is having a stroke. Face weakness, can a person smile? Arm weakness, can the person raise both arms? Speech problems, can the person speak clearly and understand what you say? And time to call 999 if you see any of these signs. Ensure you have your say. Consultation on treasure, treasure trove. A public consultation has been launched as part of a review of the treasure trove system in Scotland. The process for assessing and preserving archaeological finds discovered in Scotland is now being reviewed by the King's and Lord Treasurer's Remembrancer, KLTR. It is the first time in over 20 years that such a comprehensive review has been undertaken into treasure trove in Scotland. The 12-week consultation will inform a report and recommendations on the future of the system. Teams to gather views from all those who use and benefit from the system, from museums and public heritage organisations, to metal detecting clubs, and to individuals with a passionate interest in archaeology and Scotland's cultural heritage. The consultation, 
which launched on Monday, February the 19th and runs until May the 13th, is an opportunity for organisations and individuals to contribute their views on sustaining and improving the treasure trove system for present and future generations. Treasure Trove has been a mainstay in preserving Scotland's archaeological record and ensures that objects of archaeological, historical or cultural significance are recorded, preserved and allocated to Scottish museums for public benefit. The consultation comes amid continuing growth in the popularity of metal detecting, a lively context of professional and community archaeology throughout Scotland and in a challenging financial climate for museums and heritage organisations. Dr Stuart Allen, Chair of the Treasure Trophy Review and formerly Keeper of Scottish History and Archaeology at National Museum Scotland, said We want to hear from the public and interested parties on a range of topics about the operation and potential of the treasure trove system. This review is tasked with improving and strengthening the treasure trove system for the immediate future and beyond. During the past two decades, Important archaeological finds which have passed through the treasure trove process have been included a Mesolithic harpoon, a rare and unusual artefact found by a child many decades before being reported to the treasure trove unit, TTU. It is an incomplete bone detachable harpoon head dated back to the Mesolithic period, roughly 5700 to 4000 BCE. It was allocated to the West Highland Museum in Fort William in 2023. A Memento Mori finger ring contains a bezel in the shape of a human skeleton stretched out with the arms over the head. The interior of the hoop is engraved with the legend Cogita Mori, remember death, picked out in black enamel. Commonly found on sundials of the 16th century, items of jewellery like this function as Memento Mori a reminder of the wearer's mortality. Mary, Queen of Scots, owned a watch in the shape of a skull. The ring was found in 2013 and allocated to Fife Cultural Trust in March 2014. Blair Drummond Torques, the group of Iron Age gold torques, complete and fragmentary, from Blair Drummond, near Stirling, show a range of European craft influences and design skills. They were found in a metal detectorist, 2009 and allocated to the National Museums of Scotland in 2010. Carpour Logboat, found in the River Tay in 2001. The Carpour Logboat is an unusually preserved late Bronze Age logboat dating back to roughly 1170 to 970 BCE. The logboat was carved out of a single tree trunk and has survived to almost its full length of 9 metres. It was allocated through the treasure trove process to Perth Museum and Art Gallery in 2007. The logboat will return to public display this summer after a period of conservation when Perth Museum reopens to the public. People's Hoard, a late Bronze Age, circa 1150 to 800 BCE. Hoard, found near the Peebles in June 2020 by a metal detectorist they recovered about 21 copper alloy artefacts before realising that there was still more in the ground. Archaeologists from the TTU and National Museum Scotland, NMS, stabilised the hoard in situ and it was block lifted to be excavated later in lab conditions. Now fully excavated, the hoard is going through the allocation process. Welcoming the public consultation, John Logue from the KLTR said, 
The role of treasure trove is to ensure that objects of cultural significance from Scotland's past are protected for public benefit and preserved in museums across the country. We want to ensure that artefacts found in Scotland continue to provide maximum benefit to the public in understanding the significance of Scotland's archaeological heritage. I would urge all those who have an interest in the future of the treasure trove system to fully engage with the public consultation. The consultation document and the online response form are available at www.kltr.gov.uk slash about slash treasure hyphen trove hyphen review slash treasure hyphen trove hyphen review hyphen public hyphen consultation. The KLTR welcomes all responses and encourages anyone with an interest in the system to take part in the consultation. NHS ultrasounds are on the right road to recovery. NHS Scotland Academy's National Ultrasound Training Programme, NUTP, has celebrated its first anniversary. With more than 6,000 ultrasound exams carried out for patients across Scotland, it plays a vital role in supporting the NHS Scotland Radiology Recovery Plan. The programme has supported accelerated training for more than 20 trainee sonographers and 24 specialist registrar radiologists and doctors across eight health boards. Learners participating in the programme receive dedicated mentorship and practical support outside their current roles as NUTP facilities facilitates additional training without impacting health board staffing levels. Claire Graham, Head of Programmes Education at the NHS Scotland Academy said, The National Ultrasound Training Programme's one-year anniversary marks a remarkable journey of innovation and excellence. Ultrasound examinations help us to determine what treatment is most appropriate for patients, ensuring they get the care they need. As a national programme, this is providing improved access for patients whilst providing excellent development opportunities for our learners. The hands-on, immersive experience learners have, have also plays a huge role in the treatment of our patients. Feedback has also been fantastic, with 100% patient satisfaction reported. Delivered within dedicated state-of-the-art facilities at the Golden Jubilee University National Hospital in collaboration with NHS Education for Scotland, learners have exclusive access to the latest technology and resources for an immersive and comprehensive training experience. Michaela Thompson from NHS Fourth Valley, a National Ultrasound Training Programme learner, said, This programme has been hugely beneficial to me. Without it, I'm unsure if I would have been able to complete my course. It has provided me with dedicated and protected learning time that I didn't have in my normal working environment. It's also beneficial to, to patients, as although we are using training lists, we work with real people who have had referrals. Get your wellies on. Schools, nurseries and places of work across Scotland are being asked to make a big splash for cash at the end of this month. The UK's first children and young people's bereavement charity Winston's Wish is asking readers to take part in its Wear Wellies Day event on Thursday, February 29th. It's a great day to take a leap. 
All you have to do is encourage as many of your friends, family, students or colleagues to donate just £2 each to wear their wellies for the day. And if you can't make it on February the 29th, you can stage it on a day that suits until the end of March. Mika Bale from the charity said, Wearing wellies provides a very visual reminder that young people often puddle jump in and out of their grief. One moment appearing to be coping, the next moment struggling with their emotions. For details or to sign up, visit www.winstonswish.org forward slash wear dash wellies dash day. Help charities plot our lost native pine woods. A new project from Trees for Life and Woodland Trust Scotland aims to discover Scotland's lost native pine woods. Caledonian pine woods are globally unique and support rare wildlife, including red squirrels, capercaillie and crossbills. Yet less than 2% of the Caledonian forest, which once covered much of the highlands, survives. Just 84 individual Caledonian pinewoods are now officially recognised, having been last documented more than a quarter of a century ago. However, Woodlands Trust Scotland and Trees for Life have become aware of other lost pinewoods and from historical documents and anecdotal reports, more are thought to exist. The charities have teamed up to identify and save these forgotten pine woods through the Wild Pine Project. Jane Sayers, project officer, said, Lost pine woods are at particular risk because they are unrecognised and undocumented. We want to find them, assess their condition and revive them before they are lost forever. Finding these pine woods requires a lot of detective work. They are often small and remote, hidden in ravines safe from deer. Pines, or their remains, are often found scattered among birch woods too. The Wild Pine Project is identifying lost pine sites tracing their history through the centuries using historical evidence, including maps which date as far back as the 1500s. Once potential sites are found, historical, ecological and landscape evidence will help establish whether they are wild or planted and their health and resilience will be assessed. The charities will then work for the recognition and recovery of the discovered wild pine woods, including by presenting findings to landowners and managers. Last year, a major Trees for Life study into the health of 72 of the 84 known pine woods concluded many are on a knife edge. With high deer numbers, non-native conifers, lack of long-term management and climate breakdown representing major threats to their survival. The rewilding charity is calling on the Scottish governments to help tackle the nature and eliminate and climate emergencies through landscape skills action to save the woodlands. For more details, visit the Trees for Life website. Family Announcements Deaths Mick Monagle Sandra Peacefully surrounded by her loving family when the sun was shining at Monklands Hospital on Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. Sandra, much-loved widow of John, adored mum of Liam, Judith and Jane, and beloved grandma to Dylan, Name, Erin, Rose, Grace and Corey. She will live in our hearts forever. Vigil at St Dominic's RC Church, Bishop Briggs, on Thursday, February 22nd at 6pm. 
Requiem Mass on Friday, February 23rd at 10am, thereafter to Stirlingshire Crematorium, arriving at 12 noon. Family and friends are all welcome, family flowers only please. Donations, if desired, to Hope for Autism, for a cause close to her heart. In Memoriam Scott Alex 25th of February 2003 Your memory is as dear today as in the hour you passed away. Love Claire, Colette, Gary, Gemma and James. Online entries for this year's mod are now open. The online entry system for this year's Royal National mod is now open. A commune Gilak has announced competitors wishing to take part in the 2024 event taking place from October the 11th to 19th in Oban have until midnight on Friday, May 31st to submit their entries. Oban is formally recognised as the home of the mod with the organisation which runs the event and its network of provincial mods across Scotland being founded there in 1891 with the first ever mod also being held in the town in 1892 Oban welcomes back Gildom's premier musical and cultural event for the 17th time in 2024. Marina Mackay, a Com Gallup Mod officer, said, I strongly urge anyone thinking about applying for the 2024 Mod to take this step to submit an application. Year after year, we see an incredible array of talent showcased and we expect this year's festival in Oban to be no different New faces often bring a fresh perspective to the mod, enriching our community with their talent and enthusiasm, so we encourage those who have not competed before to get involved. As ever, we expect to welcome the very best singers and players from across the Gildom, to compete and also to socialise and celebrate at this important annual gathering. We are so looking forward to welcoming some of Scotland's most outstanding talent to Oban in October. The full list of competitions taking place for Oban's 2024 mod, including singing, baradach, instrumental, drama and highland dancing categories, can be found in the mod syllabuses online. The online element is a popular way for those wishing to take part in the event from afar and allows competitors to enter, record and upload their performances through the digital system. The online competitions and performances will be showcased via the Royal National Mods social media channels as part of the event in October. Also making a welcome return this year is the popular TikTok competition and Struth event, which enables young people to meet and chat with the best known faces in the Gaelic world. The Kirk and Tillock and Bishop Briggs Herald letters page, date Wednesday the 21st of February 2024. Let's talk. Never mind the ferries, carriers are also all at sea, or not. Sir, as the Tories wish to label the delayed and over-budget construction of two dual-fuel ferries a colossal scandal, one wonders how they would describe the even more delayed and over-budget construction of two aircraft carriers, which, nearly 15 years after construction began, still do not carry the aircraft they were planned to host. Furthermore, as both the HMS Prince of Wales and the HMS Queen Elizabeth continue to suffer serious mechanical failures, 
even after commissioning around five years previously. Neither is now available to lead the largest NATO exercise since the Cold War, so together have become an international embarrassment. Yours, etc. Stan Grudinsky, by email. Another big and dirty industry. Sir, what exactly is net zero and how can it ever save the planet? If the politicians who impose net zero policies on us don't know, how can we? Renewable energy projects, which are meant to help us reach this ambiguous, seemingly infinite net zero target, are extremely carbon emitting. Never mind the preliminaries, the sourcing of the materials in developing countries where regulations are slack, the dirty production of turbines and solar panels in foreign countries where pollution control is woefully inadequate and slave labour used, the transportation across the world in ships not powered by wind, but by diesel. Once these green products hit our shores, the real joke of carbon neutral begins. Peatlands and heather moorland are dug up to allow for tens of thousands of tonnes of rebar and concrete to be poured into the land for the turbine towers. Service tracts of quarried stone and tarmac are constructed, covering once pristine wild land. Forests are failed to make space for turbines, pylons and overhead lines. The seabed is churned and pummeled by pile driving and the anchoring of offshore turbines. Prime agricultural land is covered in solar panels, substations and battery storage units. Peatlands, moorland, forests and seabeds are some of the greatest carbon stores we have. When we destroy agricultural land for heavy industry, we limit even more what we can grow to feed ourselves, resulting in needing to import food, which results in a serious accumulation of unnecessary food miles. I wonder if the renewable energy industry knows to keep the money coming in, you have to keep emitting CO2, and the best way to do that is to destroy the very things in nature that control it. That way, net zero can never be reached and the industry can keep on growing, never really cleaning up the planet, just making billions off the back of the environment as it's pretending to save, just like every other big dirty industry has in history. Yours etc. Denise Davis by email. Cumbry encumbered. Sir, I am deeply disappointed and frustrated with the Scottish Government's decision to approve the construction of a large solar scale solar farm in the small island of Cumbria. Despite overwhelming opposition from the local community, as shown by only four votes in support at the last community wide survey out of a population of 1,300, the majority were concerned about the impact on the site's natural beauty on local wildlife and on the potential negative impact on tourism, the lifeblood of the island. Permission was denied by North Ayrshire Council, but on appeal, the reporter, a Scottish Government official, has approved it, but noted in his report that he wasn't asked to compare it with more other more suitable sites, nor was he given an environmental report as his standard. This decision allows a company to despoil the highest point in the island, which is also the most scenic with a 360-degree view of the spectacularly beautiful Clyde estuary. This decision feels like a betrayal of the democratic process, with complete disregard for the wishes of the people who call the island home. It sets a worrying precedent for future developments in Scotland, and is a complete antithesis of the government's stated goals in their local place planning initiative. The Scottish Government has a responsibility to uphold the interests of its citizens and protect the environment, in this case, they have failed on both counts. Yours, etc. Robert Brown, 
address supplied. And that was this week's letters page. Hosteling plea for new trustees. Hosteling Scotland is looking for new trustees to help shape the future direction of the organisation. A not-for-profit, self-funded charity, it provides great value in welcoming hosteling accommodation throughout Scotland. Previous board experience is not required as training will be provided. Hosteling Scotland believes it would be a great opportunity for anyone wishing to take their first steps in charity governance. The organisation is very keen to receive applications from a wide range of talented people as possible, irrespective of their religion or belief, gender, age, gender identity, disability, sexual orientation, ethnic origin, political belief, relationship status or caring responsibilities. Margot Patterson, Chief Executive Officer, said, Hosteling Scotland is open to all. We are committed to inclusion and diversity and we want our Board of Trustees to be representative of the wide range of talented people we have in the communities we serve throughout Scotland. We value greatly the benefits of having different points of view and experiences on our board. We welcome applications from first-time trustees and highly motivated individuals across all age groups and backgrounds. We are particularly keen to hear from anyone with experience in property, finance and IT. If you have the enthusiasm and drive to help shape the future of hosteling in Scotland, we would love to hear from you. To express an interest and receive a nomination pack in the application form, email secretary at hostelingscotland.org.uk. An application form is required to be completed by March the 8th. Since 1931, Hostelling Scotland has provided a warm, welcome and affordable, safe and quality assured accommodation to guests, providing a great base for individuals and groups looking to explore and enjoy all that Scotland has to offer. The charity prides itself on being the largest participant in the youth hostel markets in Scotland. With over 8,000 lifetime members, it has 33 youth hostels and 27 affiliate hostels. In recent recent years, it has welcomed up to 380,000 guests annually with a turnover of £9 million. Debt not impacted by a fall in prices. A predicted fall in the cost of energy bills in April is welcome, but will do nothing to address soaring levels of debt faced by households. Advice Direct Scotland ADS was responding to the latest forecast from energy consultancy Cornwall Insight, which said the off-chain price cap would fall significantly from April 1st. The analysis found that the typical household is expected to save around £293 per year with average bills falling, from £1,928 per year at present to £1,635. ADS runs the energyadvice.scot service, which provides free practical advice on energy bills on 0808-196-8660. Hazel Knowles, Energy Lead for Advice Direct Scotland, said, The predicted fall in off-James energy price cap is welcome news, however, while lower energy bills will help people in the spring, it will do nothing to relieve the debts they have already built up. Hello, my name's Philip and I'm reading from the Kirky Herald District News, the church news section. And first we are at Springfield Cambridge Church, 
Morning worship on Sunday, February 25th, will be conducted by the Reverend Ian Taylor, assisted by his assistant, Julie Harty, in the sanctuary at 11am. Tea and coffee, as usual, will be provided in the Cameron Hall after morning worship. Come along and enjoy the fellowship. No collection is taken during the service, so donations can be made by placing them in the offering plates in the Hall of Fellowship as you enter or leave the building. The Sunday School meets in room two, where creche facilities are also available. Morning worship is also being streamed live on the Springfield Cambridge Church YouTube channel. A link to this can be found on the Springfield Cambridge website. And also um, Facebook page, where up-to-date information can can be about events that are happening in the church and all the church organisations can be found there as well. And there will be a vestry hour on Wednesday, February the 21st from 10am to 11am for anyone who would like to speak with the minister. There will be a short weekly service of worship in the Springfield Chapel, Wednesday, February the 21st from 11.10 to 11.30. And that will be followed by the usual tea and coffee and fellowship. And the latest edition of the Springfield Cambridge Record is now available online. The annual fundraising quiz and fish supper night will take place on Saturday, March the 2nd. And the tickets will be available in the Hall of Fellowship on Sunday, February 25th, before and after the service. And now to Kirk and Tiller Church of God at Regent Hall. Uh, every Wednesday they have a coffee corner and open from noon to 2pm for coffee baking and, uh, yeah, coffee as usual. Join our friends and neighbours for a chat over a coffee. On Sunday there will be a, a Zoom service at 6.30. The speaker this week will be by Tony Jones from Mid Glamorgan in Wales. A warm invitation to everyone who is able to join us on Zoom. Access details can be obtained for the stream by emailing hello at regenthall.org. For up-to-date and further information on our services, visit the website regenthall.org. The Bible says, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And that can be found in Romans 5, verse 6. And now to St Mary's Parish Church. We are joining with our cluster group friends and worshipping at Lindsay Old Parish Church on Sunday, February the 25th. On Wednesday, March the 6th, our open doors will take place when the church will be open for visitors from 10.30am until 3.30pm. Tea and coffee, as usual, will be available all day. Then we move on to Torrance Parish Church. The morning service in person is at 10.30am, conducted by the Reverend Stuart Irwin. During the service, the youngsters meet together in Crest, Junior Church and Frog, whatever Frog is. And to join the service, you need to click online at Torrance Parish Church, online.church. The cafe is open every Wednesday, 9am to noon, for teas, coffee and delicious home baking. Why not come and taste for yourself? The Girls Brigade meet this week, Wednesday, 6.15 to 8.45, P1 to P6. And the Boys Brigade meet on Thursday from 7pm to 9pm, P7 to S6. To find out about regular weekly activities, check the website for the What's On at tpc.org.uk. And now to Colston Well Park Church. Everyone is guaranteed a welcome. 
to our morning service at Coastal Well Park, starting at 11am and led by Malcolm Cuppertson. Tea, coffee and conversation is available in the hall after the service. As always, the Art Club continues every Monday at 10am to 1pm. And we're still looking for new members. So if you're interested, why not give Ramsey a call on 07709584680. For more information, the Colston Tea Break, our community pop-in continues this Wednesday from 11 to 12.30pm. Where good food, good chat and of course good company is the order of the day. The food bank continues its essential work within the community and is open every Friday from 11am to 1pm and 2pm to 4pm. And to all who assist and continually donate food stuff, we give you our sincere thanks. And that's great news. And now to Home Church. Home Church meet in Laminier Road, Kirk and Tillich, and also they have another branch of the church which meets in the East End in Carrentine. And also they're online. This is the day which the Lord has made, and we will rejoice in it. Psalm 118. And on Sunday, February 25th, 9.30, there'll be a prayer meeting followed by refreshments at 11am worship service, followed by refreshments as well. A warm welcome awaits you. And at Home Church in Carmel, 10am and 6.30pm. Tuesdays, we have the engine room at 930 where Dave, the pastor, will share a message. Home groups, Tuesdays, Bible study on Zoom, Wednesdays, now called Boiler Room, in church at 7.15, except the last Wednesday of the month, and on all social media platforms. Craft and Coffee, Fridays at 10am. Youth group, Fridays at 7.30pm. Prayer meeting, Wednesday, the February the 28th at 7.15 and also, let's not forget Home Radio. You can tune into that 24-7 on the web or online or on the FM. Encounter Conference. This happens on Friday, the, February the 23rd and 24th. And it's a free event to pop along. See Facebook, Instagram, Home Church website for all the latest information for Camille. We now move to Lindsay and Lindsay Union Parish Church on Sunday, February the 25th. The service will be at 11am at Lindsay Old. This will be a joint cluster service and we will be joining our friends from Lindsay Old, St Mary's and St David's Memorial Park. The meeting place opens for tea and coffee and home baking every Wednesday, 10 to 12 noon in the new hall. Everyone from very young to the young at heart is welcome to attend. We also have a good selection of greetings cards and second-hand books for sale. And the Youth Cafe is on Thursdays, 3.45 to 5pm, a place where young people can hang out, relax and have a good time after a long day at school. Each week there is a free snack with lots of different things to do, such as games, consoles, table tennis, arts and crafts, board games and more. The coffee pot is open on Fridays at 10am till noon, as well in the new halls for tea, coffee and chat. Art for Seniors is on Monday, February the 26th at 1.30 in the New Hall. Enjoy creating a piece of art under the step-by-step guidance of artist Bev McCluskey. No experience is needed. And if you're interested, contact Margaret on 0779-21688-26 to book your place. And the Guild Coffee Morning is on Saturday the 9th of March, 10 to 
noon and tickets are three pounds. And now to Kenmuir Parish Church. Our toddler group meets every Wednesday morning from 10 to 11.30am from pre, for pre-nursery children accompanied by their parent or carer. Messy breakfast starts at 10am each Sunday morning, a time of videos, games and of course breakfast for children. Please note that an adult must remain with the child. Our assistant minister, Reverend Kate Gardner, will lead our worship beginning at 11am. You're welcome to join us, both in the church and on our YouTube channel. The service on the YouTube can be watched live as it is streamed or later at a time that suits you. You can find our channel by simply searching Camus Bishop Briggs on YouTube. Teas and coffees as usual and at a time of fellowship follows the end of the church service. For the up-to-date details of all our groups currently running, visit the What's On section of our website at kenmuir-church.co.uk or find us on Facebook if you'd like to join our WhatsApp group or receive the Bible studies from the ABC, then email us at kenmuirchurch at icloud.com. And more news from them is that um, you can check them out on the Kirky Herald. And moving on to Codder Parish Church beside the canal. For full details, please see our website. All the W's, CodderChurch.org. We look forward to welcoming you this Sunday to our morning service. The service will be led by the Reverend John McGregor and Chris Gordon, who is a probationer minister. Our music is led by Javier Jose. Uh, we all welcome you to stay behind for tea, coffee and after both services. In the food bank, if you wish to donate to the local food bank, you can bring your donations of food to the church or the coffee shop. Early Fellowship meets in person in the South Hall Chapel at 9.30am on Tuesday and Thursday and also on Zoom. Corridor Coffee Shop, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 10am to 2pm and Friday, 10 a.m. to noon. A warm welcome awaits you. In the men's club meet in the South Hall Chapel Tuesdays, uh, February the 20th at 1.15 p.m. for lunch at the coffee shop, 2 to 2.15 for a meeting. Corder Messi plays restart Tuesday, February 20th and Thursday, February the 22nd in the South Hall, 10.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Our fundraiser for our projects is Taylor Fashions, and is on Thursday, February the 29th. Tickets now on sale. We are the hosts for the Bishop Briggs World Day of Prayer meeting, which is in the South Halls on Friday, March the 1st at 10.30am. Climate Change Conference Saturday, March the 9th is at 10am to 1pm in Codder Church South Halls. And the 92nd Glasgow Company of the Girls' Brigade meet on Tuesdays. Explorers p one to P3 at 6.15 to 7.30, Juniors P4 to P7, 6.30 to 8pm, Brigadiers S1 to S6 at 7.30pm to 9pm, and the 212 Boys Brigade Anchor Boys P1, P3 meet 6pm to 7pm, Junior Section P4 to 6, Monday 7.15 to 8.30pm, and the Company Senior Section P7 to S6, Friday the 7th p.m. to 9 p.m. And now to Milton or Campsie Parish Church. Cafe Connect is on Tuesday morning 
at 9.30am. The Guild meets at 2pm on Wednesday for a talk on the the work done by the Church House and at 7pm we meet for a time to pray in the Eric Liddell. Come when you can, leave when you must. Also on a Wednesday at 7.45 the new teams will have their first meeting. On Friday, the BB Anchor and Junior Sections will meet at 6.15pm. We meet for worship on Sunday, February the 25th at 11am. All children's and youth groups meet as normal. Now in into Lent, we'll focus on the arrest of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Please send us a photo of yourself in a garden. Also on Sunday, we host Diorama, uh, the Go Mad Extra which is from 1pm to 3pm, and this is a kids' youth event. And we'll make Easter diorama, which diorama is really dinosaurs, as in dinosaurs. Yeah, they'll play games, and through music and art, drama and talk, explore the good news that Jesus is alive. Register through job form or just turn up on the day. It's for children of all ages, February's charity of the month is Intercell, bringing the good news of Jesus to Asia. Baby and toddler groups, hobbies, club and badminton meet on Monday. And now to James the Church, St James Les at Hilton Road, Bishop Briggs, uh, with Paul Watson, the minister. There is a communion service in the chapel on Thursday, February the 22nd at 11am and at uh, 9am on Sunday, February the 23rd. The 10.30 communion service will will be with hymns on Sunday as in the church. Everyone is welcome to come along to any of these services. Do stay for tea and coffee and fellowship afterwards. Also on Sunday, February the 25th, in the evening at 7pm to 8pm, there is a journey event, Honesty, a Lenten journey. There's also virtual services and groups for up-to-date information. Refer to our social media. On Wednesday from February 21st, we will have our Lenten study groups at 2.15pm in the chapel and on Zoom at 7pm. If interested, details can be found by phoning the office at 0141 230 4080 and Facebook, St. James the Bishop Briggs. And the website is as well as your usual, stjamesbishopbriggs.org.uk. And there we have it, the latest church news here in the Kirky Herald. Thank you for listening and God bless you. Little Pup Otis is ready for love. Otis is an energetic crossbreed puppy looking for an experienced home. He is currently being cared for by the Scottish SPCA, Edinburgh and Lothian's Animal Rescue and Rehoming Centre. He's going to be a large lad when fully grown, so he'll need to work on his manners, although he already knows some of the basics. Otis will need his own fully enclosed private garden to work on his training, especially learning not to jump up. Because of his bouncy nature, Otis will need an adult-only home with no cats or small animals. He could possibly live with another dog who could show him the ropes. Apply via the Scottish SPCA, www.scottishspca.org forward slash rehome dash a dash pet forward slash 14530 dash Otis. Wednesday the 21st of February, District News General. Horticultural Society, 
The next meeting will be on Thursday, February the 22nd, when we look forward to our annual dinner at the Broycroft Hotel. Anyone wishing to join or find out more about the Society can call Paul Malcolm on 0141 578 1520 or visit our website www.kirkintelichorte.org.uk Holyrood View UK Must Act to End Suffering in Gaza by Ross Greer MSP World governments must do everything in their power to end Israel's murderous assault on Gaza. The Gaza Strip's population includes many forced to flee from previous rounds of ethnic cleansing committed by Israel. It has already endured a 17-year siege and blockade. Now, Israel is attempting to destroy it completely. More than 25,000 Palestinians, including at least 11,000 children, have been killed and 1.7 million people have been displaced as a result of Israel's war crimes since October. Hospitals are being bombed and unarmed civilians carrying white flags are being shot in front of news crews, but the US and UK still give Israel their full, full backing. Fortunately, other countries are taking action. South Africa took a case against Israel to the International Court of Justice, accusing them, correctly, of the crime of genocide. The court's initial ruling clearly identified a risk of genocide being committed and set out a range of conditions Israel must meet. With that ruling, the UK can no longer ignore the situation in Gaza. We must do all we can to end the killing and the occupation and to ensure that this country is not an accessory to war crimes. That means immediately halting all armed sales to Israel and pushing for a meaningful and lasting ceasefire. Yet, the only action the UK government has taken since the ruling was to withdraw funding from the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, UNRWA, which provides lifeline relief and humanitarian aid in Gaza. Taking actions that will make the already catastrophic humanitarian situation in Gaza worse would never be the answer. Collective punishment is a war crime and punishing the people of Gaza by cutting off the food needed to prevent a famine cannot be justified. Last month, First Minister Hamza Yousaf confirmed that the Scottish Government has not paused or withdrawn aid to UNRWA in stark contrast to Westminster. I am proud that the Scottish Greens are part of a government supporting the Palestinian people. The European Union has also refused to suspend funding for UNRWA. Food is not a weapon of war. Withholding it from civilians is a war crime. It is one of the many war crimes Israel is committing. Confident that the US and UK will shield them from the repercussions, we must prove them wrong. Out of Town, Milgai Music Club Chelis Hugh Mackay is partnered by Chinese pianist Zhang Yang Chen in the concert on Friday, February the 23rd in an exciting programme of music by Mendelssohn, Shostakovich and contemporary composers Sally Beamish and Gareth Farr. Hugh has performed met in many leading venues in the UK and abroad, including the Wigmore Hall, Royal Festival Hall and the Palace of Versailles. The recipient of many awards, he was awarded the 2022 Sugiya gift from Help Musicians UK. Shanghai-born pianist Jun Yang Chen is also a recent graduate of the Royal Academy of Music, with a special affinity for contemporary composers and an exciting career ahead. Tickets on sale online, www.mogaimusic.org, and in person from the Honeybee Bakery, 
48 Station Road, Mulgai. New stamps celebrate the Vikings. Royal Mail has revealed images of eight new stamps that celebrate the history, impact and legacy of Vikings in Britain and mark 40 years since the Jorvik Viking Centre opened in York. When it opened in 1984, the centre made a global impact. It showed that the Viking world is based on more than violence and told a complex story of settlement, manufacture and trade. The centre has entertained and interacted with over 20 million visitors. In addition to the team at Jorvik, Royal Mail also worked closely with Dr Gareth Williams, curator at the British Museum and Thomas Williams, author of Viking Britain and Viking London, and previously also a curator at the British Museum. Mulgrew gives Rob Roy a lift. An article written by Brian Yule and read by me, Corey. Kirkintilloch Rob Roy boss Danny Ferry admits even he has been given a lift after former Scottish captain Charlie Mulgrew joined the club in a coaching capacity. The ex-Celtic, Aberdeen and Blackburn Rovers defender called time on his playing career at the age of 37 in the autumn following a second spell at Dundee United. Mulgrew, a former St Ninian's high pupil, has been helping out at his hometown club, passing on experience that saw him capped 44 times for his country. Ferry told the SM Media West of Scotland football show, The players are working really hard. We've got a young group of guys, and we've now Charlie Mulgrew in helping us. Charlie's been great. He's been in the last few weeks, and it's given everyone a lift. It's given myself a lift. It's just the experience he brings. He takes most of the training. He just has a tempo, and you can see the players wanting to impress. Obviously, where Charlie's been, the players are going to want to go, and impress him. And then on Saturday, we ask them to do a job, so it's given us a push in the right direction. Rob Roy lost 3-0 at home to Beath Juniors in the WOS Premier Division and will be looking to bounce back when they host Auchinleck Talbot in the fourth round of the WOS Cup on Saturday. Peters Hill moved six points clear at the top of the First Division with a 1-0 win at home to Campus Lang Rangers and travelled to Whitlet's Victoria on Saturday. Ashfield kept up their promotion challenge with a 6-3 victory as Nielsen visited they were home to Kenoway Star in the fifth round of the South Region Challenge Cup last night, Tuesday, and welcomed St Rocks in the league on Saturday. Caledonian Locomotives bid to go up in the second division is picking up steam as they sit second after a 4-1 win away to Glasgow University. However, Glasgow Perthshire lost 3-2 at home to Lark Hall Thistle, and Shire will be hosting Cali on Saturday. West Park United lost 2-1 at home to Les Magau Juniors in the 3rd Division and head to league leaders Finart on Saturday. 
Rossville are only outside the 4th Division promotion spots on goal difference. After a 5-0 win at Curluck Rovers and play host to Campbelltown Pupils on Saturday. That article was written by Brian Yule and read by me, Corey. Davidson double as City cut the deficit. This article is unattributed. Glasgow City moved level with second-place Celtic in the SWPL1 following a 3-0 win away to Motherwell. With the old firm drawing 1-1, City are also now just four points behind leaders Rangers, as they look to retain their title. City took the lead against Well after 14 minutes as Chloe Warrington's cross from the left was met by the head of Lauren Davidson. Michaela Moore then thought she had made it 2-0, but her effort was ruled out for offside. City did double their advantage on 69 minutes, as Davidson's ball across the face of the goal was put into her own net by the unfortunate Bailey Collins. A minute from time, fittingly it was Davidson who wrapped up the three points as she latched onto a long ball to fire into the corner. City are now idle for a few weeks due to the international break and will return to action at home to Aberdeen on March 3rd. That article was unattributed, but it was being read by me, Corey. World Cycling, a £205 million boost to Scots economy. An article written by Alistair Dalton and read by me, Corey. Scotland's hosting the world's largest ever cycling championship last year generated more than £200 million for the country's economy and attracted nearly 1 million spectators, according to an independent evaluation of the event. The 11-day UCI Cycling World Championships in August featured more than 7,000 riders from 131 countries, watched by a TV audience of 537 million. Consultants EY, the former Ernest and Young, said it generated £205 million of economic activity and created the equivalent of 5,285 jobs in Scotland. One third of spectators came from outside Scotland and nearly 90,000 from outside the UK. The assessment found 79% of Scottish residents questioned said they intended to cycle more because of the event. However, the championship sparked controversy in the arts sector after it went £8 million over budget on top of £36 million of Scottish Government funding at a time when Creative Scotland faced a £4 million budget cut. EY UK Chief Economist Peter Arnold said, The championships successfully delivered social benefits for local residents as well as driving significant economic impact. UCI President David Lapartient added, The championships were an unprecedented success at every level. 
which leads to long-time benefits for the host communities and their residents. Paul Bush, chair of the 2023 Championships, said, Scotland's reputation as the perfect stage for events is recognised nationally and internationally, and its inviolable global reputation as a major events powerhouse was further reinforced. Sarah McMonagall of Campaign Cycling UK said, The championship was tremendous for raising the profile of cycling, and it's positive that a majority of Scots who watched the event said they intended to cycle more in the future. However, to cement this desire into lasting habits, councillors must provide continued investment in safe cycling routes and projects that enable people to ride and do so with confidence. When we will see the true legacy of last summer's cycling extravaganza is when more people are choosing to ride a bike for local journeys rather than jumping in their car. That article was written by Alistair Dalton and read by me, Corey. Initiative to get more fans at Ashfield. This article is unattributed, but it's being read by me, Corey. Glasgow Tigers is to kick off a new initiative as it will provide two free tickets for each season ticket holder to bring in fresh fans to Ashfield. That will be available for two meetings and it's strictly just for supporters coming to Speedway for the first time. It will start for the opening clash of the campaign against local rivals Edinburgh on April 12th. Club owner Jerry Fasina said... This has been the most exciting era for the club since we took over. To win the championship was very special to us and our wonderful and loyal supporters. But we want to make the club financially viable. It's no secret that the club is still running at a loss and we are determined to change that. We've been hugely encouraged to see a steady progress with attendance. And, even more satisfying, is an increase in a younger generation. We want to keep that momentum and push on in 2024. That's why we are going to try with our new fan initiative, as season ticket holders will have the opportunity to bring in someone new for a couple of meetings this season. What we have regularly found is that once new people come to Ashfield, they love it. And we are confident new fans will want to come back for more. It's going to be another exciting season as we defend that league title. And we just want to pack out Ashfield every week. Because that's what the entertainment deserves. Buy your tickets at, and I can't help but apologise for this, but you can buy your season tickets at www.com events.liveit.io forward slash Glasgow hyphen Tigers hyphen Speedway forward slash Glasgow hyphen Tigers hyphen Speedway hyphen 2024 hyphen season hyphen tickets. Again, I apologize for that link. That concludes this week's edition of the Kippenzilla Herald podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Tune Review and to tell your friends about our service.